welcome to the three in one podcast joining yep. you from columbus ohio it's your boy malcolm morgan joining us from cleveland ohio give it up for ian lamont morgan cleveland this is for you I need that post fader delay. And coming to us from Cincinnati, Ohio, the Nasty Natty. Give it up for Keith Turner Jr. Cincinnati fans, we know what it means to feel depressed. But it's okay. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be alright, Keith. You can make it. You can make it. So you guys, we're glad to have you with us today. Today we're introducing our three-in-one summits where we'll take a topic, uh, issue, a debate, and we'll just spend the whole podcast talking about that. And today we're going to talk about the NCAA and amateurism. Um, This is great timing for this because the um, NCAA basketball tournament is wrapping up. Mm -hmm. um, And obviously uh, there's been a lot of scandals lately in the headlines. Um, Players getting paid, agents getting paid, Schools paying money um, for certain players. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, and we're going to start off with this. The NCAA, um, they kind of govern all of intercollegiate athletics, um, I believe representing over 1,200 institutions across the country. You guys, with all that's going on, what kind of influence do you see the NCAA having? And do they really have an influence over what's going on? Um, when it comes to amateurism in these student-athletes. Ian, yeah, go ahead, brother. Um, honestly, I, in terms of influence, um, I don't know. This I, I've never seen the NCAA at a point looking as bad as they're looking right now um, in terms of oversight, in terms of you know how it is that they manage – their business in terms of how realistic their standards are, um, their rules are, you know, uh, I don't know, just a, a wide range of reasons that, you know, they just don't, they don't seem to have a really good handle on what's going on with their, ooh, I, I didn't know what word to use there. I didn't, it wasn't going to be slaves, I promise, but. <laughs> Might as well be called um, yeah, man, there, there's just uh, there's there's entirely too much um, going on that they consider scandal um, that that probably would that that could be easily avoidable if they would, you know, open up the rigidity and, and tweak some other things. Uh, it kind of reminds me of what happened with the the Oscars, um, the Academy Awards, maybe a year or two ago. Um, they came under fire when. You know, people just had enough of, uh, of you know, misrepresentation or, you know, there not being enough diversity. And what did they do? The next year they turned around, they made some more uh, strides. The, you know, they added some more um, um, color and some more youth as far as who was in the academy that could vote on the movies uh, voted on. And then you see this year, um, you got a lot more, you know, you got Jordan Peele uh, winning an Academy Award. You got some mm-hmm. other people who were represented really well. And so... My point being, it's not impossible uh, uh, to come to a point where you change and you can maintain a certain level of influence and still be, you know, uh, because, I mean, still be the the, the head honcho when it comes to, to collegiate um, um, athleticism. But now you see you got these other leagues popping up um, um, to try and rival 
you know, what it is that they're doing, you know, these, these semi-pro leagues. And I think, yep. um, you know, it's, it's really just it's, a, it's simply a matter of taking a look at what it is that's going on, how dated are our policies, how dated are our perspectives, and how can we update stuff so that we're really supporting the 2018 model. Um, nobody's trying mm. to tax the NCAA for what they've done wrong over the last X amount of decades. I mean, you, you can't, you know, that's revisionist history, but, you know, I mean, first and foremost, I, I am a supporter. Like, you, you got to pay these guys. Mm-hmm. You got to pay them. You got to find a way. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I don't want to jump the gun. What I'm saying is, though, <laughs> their influence is, is going to be automatically and directly affected by how fluid and how rigid they are. And right now, the rigidity looks to be pretty high, so... I don't know. They're white. Yeah, I mean, I, I I completely agree. I think the NCAA is completely flawed, um, and and this is coming from somebody who you know my brother's a college athlete right now, and um, I'm grateful for the fact that my brother has a full scholarship to play at Youngstown State. Uh, shout out to my bro, almost a thousand yards in his freshman year. Um, however, Ooh, that's dope. Yeah, um, very proud, very proud. However. Um, I see the lives of athletes. I was a journalist. I was, you know, in college, you know, Malcolm and I were both in one of the best journalism schools in the country at OU. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have seen the effects. Well, I have seen personally, I've been able to talk to many athletes of um, guys who I, I honestly can't find a better word than guys who guys and women who literally felt prostituted. Um, that, you know, that, that they are, that the NCAA is this pimp is as you will, you know, if you will, um, you know, you know, cause pimps, it's not that they don't give money to, you know, prostitutes It's that, you know, they're making all this money off of these women. And that's how some college athletes feel that, you know, these, these NC, th- this NCAA, um, is really you, you came heavy today. I, I, I'm telling you, man. This is this is something. This is this is crazy, man. Because I know I know what they're feeling, and so um, so it's tough. I mean, I think the in, their influence. I think how big of an influence they have has been so big that now that you see, you know, as Ian mentioned, some of these rival um, type of leagues that if they have the right plan, could really begin to threaten the NCAA. Um, I think the NCAA really needs to revisit a whole lot uh, for it to be successful. Um, so um, I think the, the influence has been significant. However, I do think that now with all of the scandals and everything that's coming out and the fact that players, you know, some of them are – on scholarship, part scholarship, full scholarship, whatever it may be, still struggling and all that, it's really it's really some eyebrows being raised and a lot of questions being asked. So, um, yeah. and I mean, it's it's hilarious, you know. I I, I watched this tournament that just ha- you know this this first and second round of this tournament, and isn't it interesting that Arizona goes out so quick, and and Sean Miller has been under all this fire. With, with what is taking place. And, of course, we're getting to some of that later on. But um, it's a flawed system that really needs some someone and a group of people to really turn it around. Yeah, it's 
the NCAA is 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 a very interesting organization, especially when you look in light of the scandals that have been going on. It really makes you truly question what kind of influence they have because, I mean, if if anyone had told you anybody that's connected to sports and follow sports, hey, athletes are being paid. I don't think any of us would be surprised, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's just a, a further example of why the NCAA is not accomplishing what they want to accomplish with their rules. Um, teams really find it. I think there's, you know, I don't have the data on this, but I think most teams would find it more advantageous to pay the athletes whatever they're asking for privately than to try to do it the right way because they know other people are doing it. Um, I mean, if you, even if you go back to the, the SMU football scandal, they got caught, reprimanded, put on probation, and they still kept paying players and really didn't even try to hide it that much. Um so, I mean, the, the NCAA really has limited influence. Then you look at some of the other scandals, namely like the, the UNC scandal, where they were trying to, to have some sort of say in the matter, but it was really an academic issue and not really a sports issue. So that raises questions, should the NCAA even be getting involved in things like that? Um, so, yeah, it, it brings a lot of questions. And then it makes you kind of think of how are we – how are we not only presenting these players, but how are we actually treating them? Obviously, the NCAA wants to continue to label them as student athletes, but mm-hmm. on average, um, these athletes um, are spending a, a lot more of their time on the field than they are actually in the classroom. Um, and I believe it's, uh, yeah, the the typical Division One college football player de- devotes 43.3 hours per week to his sport. Forty three point three hours, and they're still job. required to. That's full time. Exactly, man. and they're still required to take classes. They're still required to have all those academic responsibilities on top of basically being semi professional athletes at the same time. Yep. Um, and the only compensation they receive is whatever they get in scholarship money. Yep. Um. So with with that, in light of that information. Do you guys really think that we can call college athletes amateurs? Gosh, that's a tough question. Um, I mean, it's. I mean, let's take let's take into consideration a guy like LeBron James. LeBron did not go to college. If he did go to college, even for just one year. Would we have called that phenom an amateur? You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's tough to really call them amateurs because some of those guys, honestly, still, if the rule was not changed, some of these guys could leave high school and be ready to play pro basketball. Now, here's the mm-hmm. thing when you also think about amateurs, though, is that I don't think we're just talking about their athletic ability because – you know, I think we have to also talk about the fact that some of these guys are 17, 18 by law. They mm-hmm. some of them can't even buy cigarettes and 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 alcohol um, and all of that. And so, you know, there there there's some, a lot of them. Many of them are very immature. Um, a lot of them, you know, are not prepared. They're not ready to handle millions of dollars. Um, hence, why many. Um, after successful careers, have are more broke now than they were before. 
Um, I mean, it, it's it, it's tough. Like, you know, are they amateurs on the court or on the field? Mm. Probably not. Now, it also depends on the game they're playing. Because if it's basketball, yeah. probably not. But, I, you know, guys coming out of high school are not ready to go to the NFL uh, in football. Um, you know, but then you also have, some, you know, guys like ba- from baseball. Baseball, like guys go straight from high school, minor leagues, you know, whatever, skip skip college altogether, depending on how good they are. So um, if, you're, if you're asking me, I would say, yes, some of them are amateurs outside of – um, the field or the court or whatever they're playing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's all situational. I think it's all situational, but at the end of the day, they're still really young and uh, they, they need some maturing and all. So that's, what I, that's, my, that's my take, I guess. I, uh, I kind of want to piggyback on, on what Malcolm's point was. I was just talking about the amount of hours that uh, – that the college athlete devotes. I was looking at some stuff. Um, this kind of brought a question to my head as far as uh, just normal places of employment and what the standards are. I had one question. I said, when does an unpaid internship need to become a paid internship? Uh-huh. Mm. And uh, there's a list that I, that I found that said, uh, you know, there's really six standards that need to be met in order to establish that an intern qualifies to work unpaid. But listen to these two, because these are two of the six standards. And I'll, I'll you know, just to be fair, um, you know, I'll, I'll just briefly touch on the rest of them. Uh, there, one, there has to be an agreement that it's unpaid. Uh, the other one is, you know, the intern can't necessarily be entitled to a job. Okay, that checks out. These guys in college, they're not entitled to, you know, to become an NBA player and make millions. So, mm-hmm. you know. The, the colleges or the NCAA can't claim that they have to pay them because there's going to be that turnaround. But then there's these type of things. Uh, the internship is similar training, which would be given in the educational environment. Uh, doesn't really doesn't really weigh out. But furthermore, number two says the internship experience is for the benefit of the intern. Well. College athlete, who is their experience to the benefit of? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. the athlete benefits, but the university benefits, I would even say more so. Yep. More so. So here's the uh, number three is interesting. The intern doesn't displace regular employees, but they work under close supervision of the staff. Well, nah, if you're getting, if you're getting, t- if you're getting tick, somebody else on the bench, like, you know, and then the university is benefiting from your likeness. So that don't mm. check out. Then you look at, where's the other one that was really interesting here? Ah, the employer, what is this? Um, 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 the employer that provides the training derives no immediate advantage from the activities of the intern. Mm. So here mm. we are. I mean, we're looking at even in our, our workforce, and this is based on law. Um, our workforce is saying that, hey, if you're in a situation where you are, you know, you're in the, you're in a system that you're, you're you're working and you're benefiting an employer, um, you know, especially financially, you know that 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 internship needs to become a paid situation because you are mm. you are working for the profit of an entity. So yeah. 
you know, I I, I think it's man, I, I think it's long overdue. I think it's known that it needs to happen, but I mean, I think you get fat cats with greed, um, and and you know they they like the system set up how it is because it's lucrative for them, you know. But you look at some of these numbers. I was just looking at some of the profit and stuff, and you know, uh, uh, even just the tournament contract for the NCAA. The one they got for CBS and Turner. Um, nineteen point eight billion. Billions mm-hmm. over twenty two years. I mean, when you got that type of money laid up, we're, we're not really talking about making a huge dent in the pot that they have. So yeah, I, I think it's um, it's it's more than it's it's overdue. It's time to time to make it happen. So with that being said, how do you guys feel like the current system could be fixed? If 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 okay. Not paying athletes, if paying athletes is not on the table, what kind of things can we do to fix the existing system? What I would start off with is they have to put in some kind of structure for some of these players to make money out outside of outside of uh, football. Um, I'm, I'm thinking back to the Ohio State scandal where you had players that were obviously at the top of their sport, one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. Um, but still very much so still needed cash to pay for food during the week or put gas in their car or whatever. Um, scholarships don't cover that. <laughs> and uh, without any ability to, to earn at all, literally as athletes, they're handcuffed to the point where they can't make any money um, for any reason. Even if they had a real job um, where they collected the paycheck, they, w- they aren't even allowed to do that. Um, so they have to put something in place, whether it's, some sort of stipend, whether it's some kind of other support for these athletes, because a lot of these people are coming from places where their parents can't just write them a check and give them money. Um, a lot of them are going to college for the first time in their, I mean, the first person in their whole family to go to college. Yep. Um, and they're not in a position where they can, hey, mom, I need such and such for this and that. Yep. Um, sometimes they're calling home and they're in a worse off position than they are. So I think that's the first thing that needs to be done is kind of pull back some of these rules that put so much restriction on what the student athletes are allowed to do so that they can at least help themselves a little bit while they're in school. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you you say that word stipend, Malcolm, because what's already begun to happen in some major universities, I don't know if you guys have read about this, is that that exactly has happened. So, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, like I was talking to my brother not too long ago and he and he was like, you know, yeah, I know some of my boys who, you know, went to University of Louisville or Ohio State and they're cutting, you know, especially some of the football players or some of the main sports stipend checks. So that goes beyond, you know, the Pell Grant and, you know, if if they qualified for that, uh, because some do, some don't. and all, but some have already started to give stipends that go above and beyond what the scholarship is. Um, and you can read stories on it. They're out there for sure. So I think that's mm-hmm. already began to, you know, be put in place. And I think that's definitely one answer to fix this issue or fix this broken system is to begin to have it to where, you know, yeah, stipends are are, you know, offered to players and all to help them take care of not just, you know, room, board and all that, but how about clothes and, and all that. You know, I was talking to a, a former player at University of Georgia um, just, you know, today, actually. 
And, you know, he said back when he was playing that, you know, they gave him like a $350 like little stipend for clothes, you know, and but that was it. And some guys, you know, after that scholarship and all that, like they felt like, you know, they, they had a meal plan that, you know, um, at, of course, some of those are restricted. So after certain points in times, if you can't get into a dining hall, where are you going to go and get some food? So if you don't have money to go and pay for that food, you know, as Shabazz Napier said, you know, you know, there was some nights where they went hungry. They were hungry. Yeah. And they're making the University of Kansas and, and some of these other teams millions of dollars. And you mean to tell me that they're going hungry? It's unacceptable. Um, wow. It is it is unbelievable. And so I think, you know, a stipend. Now, of course, I, I'm not astute in all the economics and 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 the tax deals that you know come with with stipends or paying players or whatever it may be but i believe that there could be something done to where they're they're taking they should not have a single need um while they're in school that's just my my absolute mm-hmm. belief so a stipend is a start um, I'm not even necessarily saying you got to pay these guys $50,000 a year. I'm not saying anything like that. However, a stipend is a start and uh, make sure they have all their needs met. So, But all, schools are already starting to do it. So we'll see. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm with the stipend. Um, I, as far as all the ins and outs, honestly, I'm not that guy. I'm not the numbers crunching guy. <laughs> I'm just I'm just the one that's yelling for uh, you know. Just just be fair with it, you know. Just just advocacy for uh, for these cats, like you said. You know, if they're putting in full time effort um, and full time hours for the athletics, and then there's the recovery. There's the stuff behind mm. the scenes that mm. you don't see. Um, yes. There's you know them studying if they really want to be great. You know, then you know those those athletes that go next level. They're obsessive. To a point where you know there's hours outside of the training facility and everything that they're still perfecting their craft, then you're actually still in school. Mm-hmm. So I think if you if you want to keep, and I'm gonna just say you know the appearance of caring about these student athletes, because I don't think they really care about their academic mm-hmm. achievement. But if you if you want to save face, because that's what we're talking about NCAA saving face. Um, how to look best while still lining their pockets off of the backs of these athletes. Because that's going to happen regardless. Mm-hmm. The business model is going to be set up to where they're, they're going to get that. And, hey, more power to them. I mean, if you've got a business model that's, that's making you great profit and, you know, there's not a whole lot of responsibility for you to actually work, you know, in, in business circles, they call that, and you know, you're, you're an investor. Your money works right. for you. So, I mean, this this is not a, a a knock on on just business in general, but um, this you know, uh, I don't know. The stipend model is one thing, you know. The question comes into play like, oh, well, does this extend to volleyball, to softball, to mm-hmm. all all of these sports? And so yeah, there there's some things to figure out. But I think you cut through the red tape, you know, whether or not you have team incentives that have a bonus. You know, for how mm-hmm. how well the team achieves. You know, if if there's some things that you uh, that you build in like that, I understand they don't want to they don't want it to. I I do get the 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 cons of it. You don't want guys getting complacent. You don't want guys feeling like they've peaked because they're making money in college and so they don't strive. Mm-hmm. There is a hunger, 
there is something about those guys, you know, on draft night when they burst into tears because they can finally buy mama that house. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. there, there's a drive that comes with not getting paid, but, you know, I mean, the stipend, like he said, you know, their, their needs should be met. So the stipend, you know, that's one thing. You know, if there's just a, a bare minimum kickback, just cover the meal plan. You yeah. know, just, I, don't, I don't know. Just I think there's ways that you can look at it in a humane way and a responsible way to to compensate these guys. And, you know, if jersey sales and stuff like that, if you're talking about their likeness, you know, uh, find a way to, to give them that kickback after graduation if you really want to. But they won't. So, yeah, I think another thing that I think that would help the system is providing some sort of safety net for players um, that could get hurt and may lose out on f- future earnings as professional athletes. That's right. Um, I think of the I'm thinking of examples like uh, Marcus Lattimore, who is a running back for South, South Carolina, Carolina, who was yep. definitely on his way to being um, a really high draft pick and had two devastating knee injuries um, that derailed his professional career. Um, and obviously he lost out on millions upon millions of dollars um, with that knee injury. I would love to see, especially in football, where these guys are really playing a physical sport, have some sort of built-in health insurance for these guys or some sort of insurance policy for them so that they can at least have something coming out of school. Um, because you see a lot of times, even at the high school level, will guys have promising careers ahead of them, have devastating injuries, and just never recover. Yep. And they're not really able to readjust. Um, and, you know, without sc- sports and athletic scholarships coming into play, they may not even have the option to go to college. Um, first yep. first one that comes to mind is um, uh, Booby Miles from the movie Friday Night Lights, who was on his way to being yeah. a top recruit, blew out his knee, didn't really have the money or grades to get into school otherwise, and... Um, he was just never really the same after that. Um, and his life, his quality of life changed drastically after that. So I think we have to put something in place for athletes who are really putting their body on the line and really are risking a lot to even go to college, risking injury, um, risking missing out on, on future earnings. Um, and uh, I think it's I think it's important that we provide that safety net for those players. Yeah. Great movie. So, as we kind of wrap up this Booby Miles, shout out to Booby Miles. I love Friday Night Lights. Um, It's one of my favorite movies, sports movies, and it's actually a really good show. So, shout out to them. Shout out to Booby Miles. Random shout out, I know. Um, So, the last section here, I think we've kind of already talked about it and already hinted at what our answers are going to be for this. But, should we pay athletes? Um, I'll start off. By saying, of course we should pay athletes. It's ridiculous that we don't. These schools are making millions. The NCAA is making billions of dollars off of these athletes. Um, And the money that's coming into these schools isn't isn't going back into the classroom. It's going into administrators, athletic directors, to the coaches. I think Nick Saban is well over $7 million a year for his contract. Um, and I'm sure there's all kind of other incentives built into his contract as well. Um, it's ridiculous that the coaches are making this <laughs> amount of money and the players who are actually on the field putting their bodies on the line um, aren't. I mean, oh. I, the Arizona scandal is the, is the hot thing in the headlines for college basketball, but the funny thing about that is um, I think the 
the alleged FBI tapes where Sean Miller is talking about paying $100,000 for a player. Um, I believe the player in question was DeAndre Ayton. And the joke on Twitter was $100,000. That's cheap. <laughs> um, and it really is for what these what these players are able to, the revenue they're about to bring back into the college with jersey sales, with success, yep. with make it to the tournament, attracting future recruits. Um, these are the type of things that players don't get to see the benefit of, but the teams, the coaches, the administrations definitely are. Um, and I've heard it said that um, in college sports, the deal has gotten sweeter for the for the schools, but the deal for the players has stayed the same yep. over the last now um, nearly over two hundred years. Yep. Um, so I think it's I think it's important that we start to kind of shift our focus into not just lining the schools' pockets, but also making sure that players are getting the piece of the pie in this. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. If I wasn't halfway coughing, I would uh, I'd jump in next. But, Keith, you go ahead. Um, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to say about this. I mean, I've read a lot of articles, and I've, you know, talked to some <laughs> athletes. And um, one thing is for sure is that these players definitely deserve um, to be um, compensated for all the money that, you know, these universities make on their behalf. Um, I mean, I think about, you know, number numbers sales of jerseys just for one person, you know, whether it be J.J. Watt or even, you know, the likes of Braxton Miller, Terrell Pryor, some of those guys like, you know, that's why you still see number two jerseys walking around in Columbus right now. You know, they bought that, you know, because Terrell Pryor was number two back way back when. Well, I guess you can't say way back, um, but back then. So, um there is definitely something that has to be done to where, you know, students can be compensated. Now, don't get me wrong. It is definitely an uphill battle because, of course, you have to decide, okay, what is fair amongst, you know, a, a Division One program like Ohio State and then also a Division One program that is women's soccer at Ohio State as well. Of course, you have to, you know, there has to be some type of, balance out or something. However, the pros that, you know, um, players can potentially support their families, um, that players can, they may be willing to stay longer um, in college. Um, you know, it, it could limit a little bit more of that corruption that we see. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that we'll still see, you know, some things like, you know, teams doing the extra and the most uh, to get players to commit to their schools. But at the end of the day, I think it will help limit some of the, oh, we have to go around the NCAA this way or that way um, or whatever it may be. And, you know, it's, it's just it's doing the right, the right thing. And I am in firm agreement that a education in our country is, is critical. It is absolutely amazing that these, got, these men and these women – can leave school without student loan debt. I'm in it right now. I'll probably be paying on it for a while unless the Lord work a miracle, which he's able to do. I'm believing you, Lord. Yes. Um, but, you wow. know, it, it, is, it is critical to me that we get, that we get uh, something in place. Because, you know, just hearing stories, one story that really, you know, spoke to me, um, you know, like I said, I was speaking with a, a, an ex-Georgia Bulldog, and he said that, you know, um, he came from 
two parents who worked really hard, you know, to get him to school. And, you know, he got to school and there were some points in times where some of his teammates, they didn't have what they necessarily needed. So they end up turning to things like selling drugs and all that just to try to make some extra pennies or make some extra dollars to be able to buy some outfits or something like that when they shouldn't have to worry about that. I'm not saying they should be walking around with all the newest shoes and, and Yeezys and all of that, but what I am saying is that they shouldn't have any worries or any stresses about anything financially, especially seeing how much money they're making these universities. Um, and like you said, Malcolm, I get, I get the whole piece of, oh, well, you know, it could, it could lessen the passion for the game, but I don't think so because, of course, their ultimate goal is still to get to that professional or whatever it may be. Um, but there's still yeah. going to be that drive and that hunger to to be the best at what they're doing. Um, yes, my my brother has a passion still. Like he's not being paid, um, and of course he has something even more to work toward. But even if he was getting an extra stipend or whatever, my brother wants to get to his goal. He wants to get to his dream regardless. So. You know, um, yes, an education is great, um, but paying these guys can, I think, also give them incentives um, to really help them, help their family, um, and go from there. So, hey, Keith, that was I, I don't, that was very well said. I don't want to retread what I've already said, man. I um, I think for a number of reasons. You know, we really, really, really got to take a look at this. But, um, but I mean, it's also for the health of these guys, you know. Uh, some of them get in these situations. They, they're they taking loans from loan sharks. You know, they're getting in a, uh, <clears throat> getting all type of situations that they don't really know, um, you know, what the ramifications are down the road. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, especially say things don't work out or, you know, a scenario like Malcolm said, something pops up and there's an injury or something that takes place. Uh, you know, you don't want these guys to be into these other guys for for, lo- for loan repayment. And, you know, they didn't know what they were getting themselves into. Um, even more so, you know, health-wise, you, Markel Fultz took ten grand, And, uh, you know, get, carrying that out. It damaged his shoulder so much that the man can't shoot no more. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we just so we uh we just gotta look out for our for our fellas, man. No, I um Yeah. Payment needs to happen. However it needs to happen, there's enough smart people who are employed by the NCAA. There's enough smart people in these colleges and universities that have you know, um, that study these things that, you know, they got lawyers. So that's the great thing about universities. Everybody's studying exactly what you need to make it happen. <laughs> you got finance majors. You got law majors. You got, you know, um, um, psych, psych majors. You know, how is this going to play into the psyche of, the, of these college athletes? Everything you need, one-stop shop. So, um, yeah, man, I, I think it's uh, it's – it, there's no question that it's overdue. There's no question that it needs to happen. Um, I'm with Keith. You know, you got to line the pockets, and and you don't you don't you don't have to make it so guys come to college to be a mm-hmm. millionaire, right? But you make it so these yeah. guys come. They're 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 not worried about where the next meal is coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, if uh if while on the way, uh to to you know to earn in their own independent millions, they're making you millions. Um, um, you give them something to 
to make them feel appreciated so they're not seeking that validation from outside sources. That's where you get a lot of these boosters and everything. The reason that they're so successful is that they sell these cats on the fact that they deserve more. And so mm. they, they, they build up their entitlement to the point where they'll, they'll stoop to certain levels and there's, they'll stoop to violation uh, so that they can. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced a lot of them could live without the money. But if you tell me that I deserve this money, but it's being withheld from me, but you got to end that you, you, you're the, uh, you the plug so that I can get what I feel like is rightfully mine now, then you've just played on my emotions. You've played on my ego. Yeah. We all know these cats got egos. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a, that's a rabbit hole. You don't want to see them go down either. So, um, yeah, man, needs to happen, has to happen. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to some changes here soon because, how many scandals can 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 we uncover? You know how so many true. how many probes can be launched? I mean, yeah, yeah, great FBI. You know they launched this probe and they came through with all these results. That's just what they could find. That's just the stuff that had a paper trail, right? You know, so let's stop wasting our time chasing our tail. Let's address the boogeyman. I mean, the elephants in the room. We know what it is, um, but if they really care, you know, let's do something that's actually going to rectify the issue and i mean it's, it's already fallen out of the news cycle it'd be very easy for uh for stuff to uh to slip through the, the the hands of the collective consciousness of the country and then we're right back at this point again in a couple of years so what do you think about you know you know one of the controversies with all of this is you know how do you spread it out within you know football basketball versus like you know men's and women's soccer or field hockey or, you know, some of those, you know, what do you, what do you think about that? You know, um, I don't know if you were able to look into anything like that, but what, what's, what's your thought process, you know, of, you know, for instance, a team like Alabama's football team, um, which, you know, of yeah. course brings in clear millions versus potentially mm -hmm. Alabama's, you know, women's softball team, you know, what's, what's that, what do you think about that whole paradigm? I think, I mean, and no, I haven't really looked into it, but I did, uh, I don't know if you saw this, there was a, um, uh, NBA player who recently was, uh, was cited talking about how she feels like, you know, the WNBA superstars, uh, Angel McCautry, I think, was talking about how she feels like they should make millions, and one of the big responses was, but you guys don't, y'all don't make millions. Correct. You know, you, you, your your product doesn't doesn't produce millions. So I think, um, and and I, I agree with that to a point. I, you know, um, the the viability of your of your business product has to pay into play into how much you're paid. Right. Um, so you know, revenue. I think there should be a baseline for all athletes, especially if you've been given a full ride or you've been given a scholarship. Right. Uh, from the university, there should be a baseline there, but. Um, fair or unfair, you know, the sport that you choose, what it brings in value to that university, I think should play into it. Yeah, I don't know, but that's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one to, it's tough to tell a men's lacrosse player, like, oh, you know, you'll only get 30, whereas, you know, the offensive lineman for the football team, he's getting 250. So, yeah. Um, I think we're all in agreement. Athletes need to be paid and it needs to happen sooner rather than later. But we don't just want to hear from us. We want to hear from you guys too. 
on all of our social media platforms. We are at 3in1podcast. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let us know what you think. Should college athletes be paid? How can we make the existing, the existing system work? Uh, we want to hear from you guys. You can also email us at 3in1podcast at urbanartsdigital.com. So, this was a very, very heavy topic today. Quite a way to kick off the 3-in-1 podcast. You guys, let's have some parting words. Can we have some uplifting parting words today? Yo, I don't know if y'all have seen it, but shout out to the Netflix series that's coming up called Amateur. Mm. Um, and it's, uh, it's about a young cat. Somebody said it's a little kid from Power who's a punk or something like that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, the actor is a, a basketball player. Um, high school phenom gets brought on as a prep is dealing with a lot of the stuff that I think you know we're talking about some of the money involved some of the you know stuff that uh, these these schools throw at athletes stuff like that so look I think it drops April 6th so I will be streaming you know maybe we'll all take a look at it talk about it a little bit but yeah shout out to Netflix for um, making relevant content yeah for sure man that's Hey, man, you know, that's well said, Ian. Well said, my brother. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, my my shout-out, honestly, uh, it'd probably be to LeBron James, my boy. Um, num- number one, this man is just destroying it this year. But I'm reminded every now and again at the fact that this man came out of high school and he has balled. We have never seen a scandal. This man has, you know, outside of his terrible decision that was aired on national TV, this guy has been nothing but a great influence to the community for a lot of guys who, you know, needed scholarship money or needed to pay for school. He's done all that. And so he's, you know, um, some things have been reminding me uh, this past week of what type of positive influence we could really have with some of these NBA players or professional athletes when, you know, they live to not just ball, but to serve others. And I think he's been the epitome of that um, and taking care of his sons and family. So what a great role model he's been. So shout out to him. Two great shout outs. I'm excited about the Netflix documentary. Obviously, I'm a LeBron James fan, so I pretty much cape for anything he does. Um, My shout out, man. I'm trying to think of something uplifting and really inspiring. Um, sadly, I am coming up empty. But you know what? I'm going to give a shout out to the fans. You guys have stuck with us. Two episodes into the 3 in 1 podcast. We're excited that you guys are on this journey with us. We promise next week we will have the latest headlines. We'll give you some critiques, hopefully some laughs. This was a very serious week. So thank you guys for sitting and listening with us. Um and stick with us. We got some exciting things coming up that we want you guys to be a part of. Yeah, so yeah. that's it. That's another episode of Three in One Podcast. Give it up in Cincinnati, Ohio. We got Keith Turner Jr. in Cleveland. We have Ian Lamont Morgan. Boom. And here in Columbus City, Columbus, the capital city. It's your boy Malcolm Morgan. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace.